Welcome to the Keep Rising podcast, hosted by Project Still I Rise Incorporated. Project Still I Rise is a community-based nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering today's youth for tomorrow's opportunities. This podcast is dedicated to education, empowerment, and inspiration on behalf of young people and communities across the nation. All right, y'all ready for this one? Welcome back for another segment of Keep Rise and Powered by Project Still I Rise with your favorite host, Nick Howard. And um, I'm very blessed to have another episode with you guys. Today we'll be talking about Project 100 with uh, no other than Miss Natalie Brown. Uh, Miss Brown is with uh, New York Life on a highly important topic and campaign she has started called Project 100. This project has the potential to reshape police reform, reduce the alarming death rates of African-American males due to violence and rebuild our communities. Ms. Natalie Brown, with all that being said, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background experiences and and, uh, what is Project 100? Amazing. I first wanna thank you, Mr. Howard, for having me on. And it's just always good to be able to get back and touch base with the community and just to share a little bit about um, Project 100. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Again, I'm Natalie Brown with New York Life. And um, my background is I first started off in law enforcement and police science. That's what my degree is in. But um, my husband and I, after looking at that and saw that it really was no major retirement in that career. Um, We started our own business and we were a part of the Southern sector um, for almost 20 years. We owned a national franchise and they over 75216 and 75215 area where we were available to hire young um, brown and black brothers and sisters who in that opportunity got management training also were able to work in a national franchise chain and learn how that particular system worked. And it was just really enlightening for us to be able to show young people who may not have um, otherwise had an opportunity to work in that environment and to get that experience to be able to bring that to the Southern sector of Dallas. And there's a, this sounds like just opened up a lot of opportunities for the communities for those area codes in, in Dallas and just uh, in the zip codes I mean but um, just opening up opportunities because you know there's not a lot of opportunities for us uh, I was thinking about the first job I had um, coming out of high school uh, I was working at the YMCA and opened up an opportunity for me to get you know deeper into sports is what I wanted to and then the second job I had was working at a firehouse subs and it was just like the management didn't have no type of investment into me and it was like um like what am i getting from this i know i can get get something more than just a paycheck i want to see it be able to see myself go further you know but um just moving forward with that uh you recently came up with no a new initiative called project 100 of course tell our audience uh about project 100 the impact it can have on our community definitely and from that experience of working and owning the sub the subway franchises, it led me into wanting to know more about the entrepreneurship. And when COVID hit, I was just um, really intrigued about what, how can I further the career that I'd started? How can I continue to own my own business 
and develop. So I found a partnership with New York Life. And in New York Life, through my research, I found out that there was just a definite disparity in the rates in which young African-Americans, Brown and Black brothers were getting coverage and finding out that the importance of life insurance, the importance of the knowledge of what life insurance and what a vehicle it could be um, was really not something that was emphasized in the community. So I started putting together where I wanted to, from age zero to 25, I wanted to be able to get the young folks um, covered. I wanted to find a way where I could talk with parents, talk with young adults to show the importance of having that type of coverage. And it started off with saying, hey, if, if I can do one, and then from one, I said, you know what, I'm going to take this initiative and move it to by the end of the year, I want to get 100 young brown and black brothers and sisters covered with insurance so that they will know and educate, not just cover them with insurance and sell them a policy, but just to get them educated on why it's so important to have the policy and how important it is to our community base in building generational wealth to have these policies. Definitely. Because, you know, you look into our community, um, you, you, the first thing you say is uh, life insurance and, you know, it it will probably most likely try kind of scare us away, you know, be like, Oh no, you're talking about death, but at the end of the day, everybody's going to die. So you got to be looking at, some type of protection for yourself, you know, just to be able to move, you know, to be able to move a certain different way. Cause I'm pretty sure if you look in inside those other communities that are, that are the wealthy communities that we might say, I'm pretty sure a high percentage of them might have uh, a high percentage, a large percentage of them might have life insurance. Would you say that? I would definitely say that. And I look at it as, as you said, when, when you start to think about life insurance, most people do think death, but I think about a way to rebirth our community. I see it as life. I see that it gives generational life, generational wealth, and it builds and it can be used as a tool to rebuild communities that are maybe downtrodden or that do not have, because it gives you an opportunity to then reinvest. So we're not looking at a situation of where we're trying to profit from death. But what we are trying to do is give our children, um, and as you know, uh, a lot of younger, of the younger generation, they're having children earlier. Mm-hmm. So if something were to happen or if we become a victim of crime, if, if those people are, if our people are covered, then we have an opportunity to make something out of that, to be able to turn it around for something good. So mm-hmm. That's why it was so important for me to start this initiative. It was so important for me to get the word out that we don't have to look at this as we want to be the GoFundMe community. We want to be the the community where we can fund ourselves, where we can build our own legacy, where we can um, generate our own wealth. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just just so sad. And when we see that all the time, the the GoFundMe is just just heartbreaking because um, we really come from nothing and we're still struggling to this day. But, um, do you feel that income and uh, insurance data information can play a key role in police reform? I definitely do. 
And the first thing I want to say is in today's society, in the, I guess you can say in the atmosphere that we're living in right now, we have seen that there can be something and needs to be something done about police reform. And it starts with us. We, it starts off with, are we going to, um, in this nation that's calling for police reform, and a lot of young African-Americans, a lot of young Af uh, Latinos, they have been um, victims of crime. They have been victims of murder. And we want to turn around where we can say, if those young folks, if those young adults had had $1 million worth of coverage, $500,000 worth of coverage, would the situation have been, would there have been a different movement? Would it be that if we are saying, hey, 167 people were killed last year, if you do the math, a million dollars times 167,000, that's 167 million. What do you think corporate America, insurance companies that are having to do those kind of payouts, maybe what it does then is do a turnaround on whether or not we're marching and are we then allowing corporate dollars to speak for us? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's important to say, we're not trying to benefit from death, but what we wanna do is, if some of the things we're not doing are not working, let's try something different. Mm -hmm. um, let's try to put a value on our society. Mm -hmm. um, let's put a value on our young people, whether it's valued back to the fact that Yes, maybe they're dying from health issues or maybe they're dying at the hands of others um, who don't value us as humans. Um, so let's make a difference. Let's make a change. Let's start putting our money where our mouth is. Let's say we're valued and that we matter. Yeah, definitely. It's like, um, it's like our voice is like being muffled. You know, it's not, we don't have a platform to, you know, be able to speak up on. And uh, it's because could you explain that a little bit more? Just like like does the police have access to like the insurance data information? Like do they like how does that all work? Well, no, I, I wouldn't say they have the data to it. But what I would say is if Brianna Taylor's family had gotten a million dollars from insurance and they paid out George Floyd's family gotten a million dollars and started paying out when you start looking at the value of that money that's coming back into that community, or we're being able to pay for our own representation because there has been some wrongdoing. That then turns around to say, hey, these people are able to pay for, they're able to pay to get their voices heard. Mm -hmm. Because when you take away a major breadwinner from a family, or if you take away a person's only child um, and their legacy, then it says to me, where are we going? Where are we drawing the line in the sand? And we're drawing the line in the sand that says our children have value. And when you start looking at it, it's just like I look at <laughs> I look at the fact that when we start talking about life and when we value life, sometimes we, we forget about the fact that if you have you know, when you have a loved one that's lost and taken from you, it changes the dynamic of how you do everyday life, how you view the police that are in your community. It takes you back to 
if you have community policing and people know that when Jack died, his mother had a million dollar policy on him and they were able to move out of this community or they were then able to turn around and put resources back into the community where maybe there is pilot programs where there are after school programs put in place or there are some other resources that that money is used for to make the community safer or to be able to say we're not we're not in a community where we're going to just allow the police or anyone whether it be police or whether it be security or our neighborhood watches or whatever to come in and harm our children because at this point we're going to use our voices and make, turn tragedy into a talking point that says, we're not standing for this anymore. We've seen that marching hasn't really made a significant um, change in things. And we know in the United States, what speaks for us is the mighty dollar. And when you have, when you have money, when you use your money to make good sense, then you can start to change things. You can start putting together different legislative groups that you can fund that then can go to Washington, D.C. and stand on the fact that we're not going to take the violence in our community. We want police reform. And that's what I'm saying. And it starts with us taking steps to protect ours and protect our youth. Yeah, yeah we can't we just can't uh, go directly to them first. We got to start within ourselves first and then then climb the ladder, then climb my way up to there. But uh, right now, Miss Miss Natalie Brown is on fire, Lord. Uh, uh, is on fire right now. Spitting some some wonderful gems at us. Um, how how we can change our, our wealth, our, our well being as African Americans, and and uh, be able to rebuild our communities. Uh, right now, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Project Still Our Rise home of the National Youth Chamber of Commerce. The chamber is dedicated to youth entrepreneurship success through the facilitation of education and access. For additional information on the National Youth Chamber, please visit the website at www.nychamberpsir.org. All right, let's do this. All right, welcome back uh, from break. It's been a... a fantastic show so far. Right now, we're talking about uh, Project 100 with Ms. Natalie Brown of New York Life on the Keep Rising podcast, powered by Project Still I Rise. And we're just going to jump right back into it. Is uh, Y'all don't want to miss this. It's a great episode so far. And it's just a, lo- a lot of wonderful things that can help you just grow as an individual for young individuals and be able to change your future. Um, how does having life insurance policy uh build generational wealth what i've found is in education and in just history it shows that having an, a, a life insurance policy will build general generational wealth because it is long-term financing there are vehicles that can be used in in insurance that is not just for a put me in the dirt policy mm-hmm. it allows us to be able through long-term building of term, which if you look at term, term insurance is going to be where we get in and it's like a rental property. You get in and you lease your house. You try it before you buy it. And then when you move into and you get to a position where you're more secure, you're 
your money is where you want it to be and you've been positioned in a fact where you maybe own your own business or you are looking to um, expand your horizon, then whole life, which is like buying a house, it gives you investment into a forever policy. So it is, I'm going to invest when I'm starting off in giving me more coverage for the least amount of money. And then when I get a little more comfortable with what is my situation, what are my goals, then I want to look at getting that forever policy. Now, when we're talking about youth, this is a, the key point for me in building generational wealth. The younger you start, the more time you have. And you know, like I know with money, when you start putting in money, it's going to build a compound. It's, the interest is going to compound. It's going to grow because it's got more time. And when you have more time, you have more money, then that money is going to be working for you. And that's why it is for me, I'm suggesting that from zero to 17, you go ahead and get you a house. You go ahead and start early because if you've built a house early, you don't have to worry about health challenges. You don't have to worry about um, things that might cause you not to be able to be insurable later. So why not get your house, build it on a stable ground, get that whole life, and then you've got insurance forever. But when you get into that bracket of 18 to 25, then my suggestion is you get that lease, you lease that property, you lease that policy, get the term, get more bang for your buck. Because what we know is if you get a million dollars worth of insurance and you're protected, you're already starting to build wealth because you know that at that time, if something happens to me, I can give that money back to my, my, that money will go back to my family, back to my community. And it depends on how you want to, to leverage your money. And so for me, generational wealth starts by, we know better, so we do better. So yeah. education for me is the key. Yeah. Um, can you explain the different forms of the life insurance policies you can attain? Yes. Um, term life is going to be the, the less expensive policy. It's going to give you more value for your money. And it's going to be, um, it's not a, 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 I wouldn't call it a long-term solution. I call it a solution that you get in and they normally run on 10 to 20 years. And there are some companies that have a 30 year term, but what happens with that term is if you don't have an agent that's looking out for you and working to try to convert that term after you've had it for a short period of time, when your term runs out, then it, it, sometimes insurance can become cost prohibited. So that's why you want to be working with an agent who is doing those annual reviews and who is looking out for what is your best interest. Mm -hmm. And then with a whole life, a whole life policy is what they consider a forever policy. As long as you pay your premiums on that whole life, it's going to grow you cash value. It's going to also give you a policy where as long as you're paying those premiums, you're going to be covered. It doesn't matter what your health challenges may become. It will keep you covered. And then it also has an opportunity that you can actually call, put what is called a a dot rider on it, which is like a, it's a umbrella policy within that, which can be converted to more whole life as, you know, as you grow and your needs develop to get more insurance. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a great opportunity for you to, um, and there are several different other vehicles. There's 
universal life. There is um, value, you know, there are value, I'm sorry, there are the VUL policies, which are the, the uh, variable universal life policies. And those policies also are more strategic. And as you start working and, you know, calling your agent to find out how these can help you to be successful, that's what your agent is there for, to advise you on long-term future goals. Okay. I'm, I'm 23 years old. So which, which policy do you think would be best for me? Well, what I say for you is at 23, I'd like to get you in as much, I'd like to get you in as much insurance as I possibly could so that you would have an opportunity to convert it later. So I would say a term policy would be a good, a good solution for you. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to put the cart before the horse. I, I want to sit down, have a conversation with you. I want to see what your goals are, because what I don't want to do is have you like you're filling out an application online. That's the difference between having a, an agent and doing an online purchase. What we do is we do a meeting with you. We sit down, we look at what your goals are, look at what your aspirations are, and where do you want to be in 20 years? Or what are your business goals? And then we put a chart and we put a plan together. And that's why it's so important for me to work with a team of, of people with New York Life. You're not just banking on me as an agent, but you're looking at a whole company of support that I have with me that when we go in with what your basis are and what you want to do, we come back with a solution that puts it into perspective of how can we build generation for you and how can we make your life be successful. So when you get ready to retire, even if Miss Natalie's not here, you can say she put me on the right track and I am, you know, set for life. Yeah, definitely. Yes, man. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. Like, you know, just how, how you explained everything because I know I'm, I'm about ready to get started for it. It sounds like I'm a little too late on it, but I'm, I'm about ready for it. Um, tell well, us how. I want to tell you this, Nick, you're never too late. It's never too late. It's it's always like, um, it's like buying a car. You know, you, you get in, you get the vehicle that you want, you drive it. And then when you're ready to upgrade, that's what I'm here for. I'm going to make sure that you get what you need and that you're successful in your life's journey. Yes, ma'am. Well, that's well put. That's well put. Uh, tell us how you can be reached for additional information on Project 100 and questions regarding life insurance. Wonderful. Well, I'm always excited about um, having a personal conversation with you, Zoom. Um, my contact number is 214-966-0219. I'm also on Facebook, Natalie Brown, licensed agent with New York Life. And you're always welcome to email me. And my email is nbbrown at ft.newyorklife.com. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Brown, for, for everything that you shared with us today. Uh, just amazing. Uh, excited. Just excited for the what Project 100 is doing in the communities and how it's just reshaping everything and just continue to just, as we continue to push forward as a community. Uh, just thank you for all your work that you continue to do and how you continue to just let your light shine in our community. Uh, and thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Keep Rising, powered by Project Stellar Rise. 
Uh, once again, I'm your host, Nick Howard. Remember to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Project Stellar Rise, and we'll see y'all for the next episode. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this segment of Keep Rising with Project Still Our Rise. Please stay connected with us by visiting our website at www.psir.org. We look forward to you joining us next week. And remember, whatever you do, keep rising.